where you and I can connect. It's a show that embraces a 360-degree look at womanhood. It's our voice, our perspective. It's what we care about, and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full Circle. Happy Saturday, fam. Welcome to another edition of Full Circle. I am your host, Miss Wanda. I want to jump right into the episode because I don't know about you, but I have recently become familiar with this organization that my guest represents. It is the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. This is actually a state agency that looks out for the well-being, if you will, pushes initiatives and information about women and girls in the state of California. So I'm happy to have my guest today, Kendra Harris. She is the executive director of the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. And let me tell you a little bit about Ms. Kendra. Kendra has worked for over 15 years in government relations and public policy. She uh, has experience in both government and nonprofit sectors. She began her career as a Senate fellow and has served as a legislative consultant to members of the Senate and Assembly. Kendra spearheaded efforts to reinstate funding for domestic violence shelters after the governor vetoed funding in 2009. And she successfully led a campaign that resulted in the restoration of $16.3 million for shelters through special session legislation. Additionally, in 2010, she contributed to the full reinstatement of $20.4 million to shelters through budget strategy, advocacy, and negotiations. Kendra is especially dedicated to policy, systems change, and programmatic efforts involving educational equity, health and human services, and the welfare of women and girls, and social justice overments. So, man, that is quite a resume, ma'am. Thank you so much for being here, Kendra. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I am so glad that you're here. You have got quite a resume and you are now the head of the executive director of the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls, which like I said at the top of the show and we talked about off air, I wasn't really familiar with at first. Mm -hmm. So we're going to let the listeners know all about the commission what you do and how they can get involved as well. How I start every show is just tell us a little bit about you. Who is Kendra Harris? Uh, Kendra Harris is her mother's daughter. (laughs) I was raised by strong black women who inspired me to be passionate about community, about uplifting other women, um, and uh, really being outspoken for issues that are often overlooked for low-income communities, for communities that often don't have a voice. And that's really me in a nutshell. You read my bio. I've worked in public policy. I'm a former Capitol staffer. I'm a former uh, legislative advocate for various nonprofits and mostly social justice movements. Um, I'm passionate about policy and systems change work, um, but uh, I'm really excited now to be at the helm of the California State Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. It's an organization that's close to my heart. Um, I really share the organization's mission and values, um, and I'm happy to talk about some of our work today. You opened up your part of the conversation with how you were raised by strong black women. You mentioned uh, off air that you admire strong black women. Family, let me just tell you, she's got the lapel pin of Auntie Maxine on her jacket. And it says, reclaiming my time. I love it. I lo- I've i never seen that before, but I think <laughs> it's so dope. And it just, again, you know, when I asked her about it, that's the first, she's like, I... You know, I'm all about strong black women, and I love that. And I love how you, someone that's so passionate about causes affecting women, issues that affect women, to be at the helm of such an organization. So let's tell everyone, because like I said, I wasn't familiar with the commission. And I heard about the commission once when Gina Davis was involved. Yeah, back she in was the a day. commissioner. Yes. Yeah. And that's the only time I had ever heard of it. So I'm glad to see that it's still around. In fact, it's been around 50 years, right? 50 plus years. Yeah. yeah. The commission was established in 1965, actually, 
um, and formally codified uh, in 1971. We are a small state agency, and if it's okay, I'll tell you about us. Absolutely. Um, We were created as an advisory body. We didn't have as many commissioners at its inception, but now we are a 17-member commission. Our commissions commissioners are appointed. We have public and legislative commissioners. We are unique. We actually have six sitting legislators on our commission, three from each house. We have six dynamic women on our commission. And the other commissioners are either appointed by the governor, they're public commissioners, and we have a couple of statutory commissioners as well. And so primarily we're formed to be advisory to the legislature and the governor about issues pertaining to women and girls in California um, and how we can uplift those issues to decision makers to hopefully influence policies and systems change. Yeah, I like how you have sitting legislators on the commission because then they can kind of help, I would imagine, help fast track some of the initiatives that you create Absolutely. in your organization. Absolutely. They are some of our strongest advocates and we're so excited that they're a part of the commission. They get to hear about and help guide staff in directing some of our initiatives. Um, and when it comes to legislation, they have direct influence in that policy process. Very good. And I just want to uh, give a shout out because one of the commissioners is friend to the show, the Honorable uh, Senator Holly J. Mitchell. But I also want to give a shout out to and just recognize the other commissioners. And I'm looking on the website, so I'm mm-hmm. assuming this is the most recent. Yes, okay. we actually just got a few new appointments. I think it's up there. But. Okay, all right. So Dr. Alicia Wilkins, Assembly Member Dr. Shirley Weber, Celinda Vasquez, Assembly Member Rebecca Bauer Kahn, Assembly Member Eloise Gomez Reyes, Senator Hannabeth Jackson. Senator Connie Leva, Senator Holly Mitchell, Lauren Babb, Coffee Bloomfield, Kathy Bloomfield. Bloomfield, Katie Buckland, Erica Courtney, and Robin Hines. And then you have Quinn Daly, and then there there shows a couple of vacancies. So correct. Yeah. So that I mean, that's a powerful list of women that can help and that are working to push the agenda for women in California. So I know one of the main initiatives that is really important to you, one of the priorities is the Equal Pay California campaign. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So um, a few years ago, with the um, support of our commissioners, so um, Senator Hannah-Beth Jackson authored an important piece of legislation on pay equity that the legislature passed. And as a commissioner, our commissioners thought that it would be important for the commission to undertake what was called the Pay Equity Task Force to help um, create a toolkit and resources for the public to implement the pay equity law, because it was really revolutionary um, across the country. And so a task force was formed. It was made up of executives, of state-level officials, HR folks, um, the Chamber of Commerce, um, advocates for employees, and they worked on a volunteer basis for two years to create a series of extensive resources for employees, employee employers, people looking to work, uh, and really um, educate the public about how to um, advocate for fair pay in the workplace um, and really to examine their pay policies um, as employers. And so in the beginning of April, um, we launched our Equal Pay CA campaign. Um, it's a it's a project in partnership with the first partner of California, Jennifer Siebel Newsom. She is the governor's wife. Um, And so we launched that uh, April 1st. Uh, Equal Pay Day in the United States was April 2nd of this year. For those that don't know, Equal Pay um, for Women, um, we acknowledge different days throughout the year. And the National Equal Pay Day for Women was April 2nd this year. And that means that on average, it takes a woman all the way until April 2nd to earn what her male counterpart earned in the previous year. So it takes the average woman an additional four months. That date is actually much farther down on the calendar for women of color. And I'll tell you a little bit later, but Black Women's Equal Pay Day is coming up uh, this August, and I believe it's August 21st, and we're doing an event August 27th to acknowledge it. But mm-hmm. um, what that means is it takes the average black woman all the way until August to earn what her white male counterpart might earn in the same amount of work. So we have a long way to go when it comes to pay equity and pay parity all over the country. And so our Equal Pay CA is really about education, empowerment of women, um, in the workplace and ensuring that we are working to close the pay gap statewide. I like how on your website too, you companies and individuals can 
take the pledge to be more committed to getting the word out about Absolutely. pay equity. And if you go on their website, it's women.ca.gov. Um, you can find that there's a big banner that says yes. take um, the pay equity pledge. Right. And then you can go on and take the pledge yourself and commit to some things like conducting an annual company-wide gender pay analysis, helping your company be able to look company-wide at what people are being paid. Also, it says review hiring and promotion processes and procedures to reduce unconscious bias and structural barriers. And that whole thing, I mean, just the unconscious bias piece alone, being able to look at that and see how are we paying people? What are some of the biases when it comes to looking at positions and pay and mm-hmm. things like that? And then the other, it says identify and promote other best practices that will close the pay gap to ensure fundamental equity to, for all workers, meaning looking at what have we done in the past? How do we now break those barriers, mm-hmm. break those things that we've always been doing to make a new initiative in order to make sure people are paid what they're worth? So we're really excited about the the pay equity campaign and the pledge takers. Mm-hmm. I mean, initially, when we launched this campaign in, a- in April, we had a number of major companies sign on to the pledge. So right now, some of our um, big pledge takers are Airbnb, Apple, AT&T Communications, um, Gusto, Salesforce, Shutterfly. And so at this date, um, we're here in August, we have over 30 companies um, and individuals who have signed our pay pledge. Um, The commission was thankfully granted some funding in this budget cycle, so we're going to be hiring a pay equity program manager who hopefully will be taking on the, the initiative to get to a place where we have 100 companies sign our pay pledge Mm -hmm. statewide um, and really focus on outreach and education to, you know, uh, help close the pay gap at, you know, the local level. Uh, We're doing a big event at Sac State to educate students who will be joining the workforce. Um, We're going to be acknowledging the equal pay days for different ethnicities. Um, Sadly, Latina equal pay day is all the way in November. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, So we have a long way to go um, statewide, and I'm really glad that Cal California has taken the initiative in passing this legislation because it's really been a leader. Um, I know that uh, about 41 other states are looking at attempting to do equal pay laws similar to California, mm-hmm. and they're examining um, our pay equity task force and the work that we did to um, create resources to educate the public. You know, just like California, I mean, we're always leading the way. Absolutely. And I'm glad that other states are looking at what we're doing. We're the model for the nation when it comes to a lot of the different issues that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to take a break. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with my guest, Kendra Harris. She's the executive director of the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. And we will be right back with more conversation. If you have something to add to the conversation, drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. And she is back, empowering you with knowledge and wisdom. This is Full Circle with Miss Wanda. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with my guest, Kendra Harris. She is the executive director for the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. And if you've never heard of the organization, we're going to give you more details right now. That, But before we uh, went to the break, we were talking about their big initiative in regards to pay equity and what they are doing to help push and get the word out in regards to pay equity. So I want to jump right back into the conversation. You touched a little bit on Equal Pay Day, mm-hmm. and we've heard that in terms of women collectively. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of light is shown on the Equal Pay Days, as you mentioned, for women of color, for black women and Latinas in specifically. And so I know there's an event coming up, too, in a couple of weeks in regards to that. But tell us a little bit more about the initiative that you have for the Equal Pay. Sure. So um, just to recap, I mean, Equal Pay Day is the symbolic day dedicated to raising awareness about the gender pay gap. And our Equal Pay CA campaign was launched this year to really work with companies, with um, employees, with people looking for work to, um, 
use our pay equity resources that we have branded on our website, but also hoping to publish in print and translate as well um, to really educate folks about the pay equity gap and what steps they can take to do a gender pay equity analysis in the workplace or as an individual advocate for fair pay um, and what protections or rights that they may have under the law that was passed in California. So um, Equal Pay Day uh, in the United States um, this date symbolizes how far into the year women must work in order to earn what men earned in the previous year. Um, the exact day differs by year, and it's it's all calculated by statistics. And in 2019, this year, Equal Pay Day was April 2nd on average for women, and it's claimed that women earn on average 80 cents for every dollar that their male counterparts earn. However, this statistic is much worse for women of color. So as I mentioned, African-American women, black women, we earned 61 cents for every dollar, and our equal pay day is actually August 22nd of this year. Um, and Native American women earn 58 cents for every dollar. Their equal pay day is September 23rd of this year. And Latinas round out the bottom, sadly. They earn 53 cents for every dollar, and their equal pay day is November 20th of this year. And so that means they have to work almost a full year to earn what their male counterparts earn for the same work. And you mentioned, too, that when it comes to pay equity, that even the highest paying jobs, doctors, mm -hmm. lawyers, things like that, there's still a gap there as well. Absolutely. I mean, um, studies have shown that even those high wage earners um, in those jobs that are highly professional or require um you know, a lot of education or certifications, doctors, lawyers, uh, people who work in finance, women traditionally are paid less than their male counterparts, even in those high level paying jobs. You know, I've heard, I've had conversations with women across the state about this issue, even talking to female attorneys who are highly skilled in their trade. Um, you know, you keep hearing even from large law firms where women are not likely to become partner ever or it takes much longer than men who might have started at the same time they did um, in the firm. Um, so there's a lot of misconceptions about um, women in the workplace and what value we, we can share in the workplace and especially young you know, women starting out, there's an expectation that we'll leave and start families. And sometimes that's the case. But I mean, really, even if a woman returns to the workplace, she is never, ever given the opportunity to earn um, what her male counterpart earns uh, for the same work, even if they have similar situated backgrounds and education and skills. Make a really good point in that. That is often the scapegoat mm -hmm. theory, if you will, of women are going to leave and start families and not come back and now we have to fill it, and most times we'll just fill it with a man because he won't do the same thing or whatever. And that's really um, an unfair argument to have. You know, we're just as capable, and why should we not have the opportunity to, or get the pay? Because we are equal contributors to our family as our male counterparts, you know. And an another California law that passed that's related to equal pay is so critical for, for women is that now – um, employers can't ask what your prior salary is when you're um, applying for a job. Mm -hmm. um, that, that was another way that women were often um, paid much less than their male counterparts because as young women, sometimes we're not always strong advocates or negotiators um, when it comes to jobs in the workplace. Um, and if you start off low in your career, if someone's asking what you made and they give you maybe a 2% raise, you're always going to be low compared to your male counterparts. Um, um, and so I'm glad that no longer we can ask about prior salary. It's an important step, as well as getting women in positions of power on corporate boards. Yeah. Yeah, we recently had uh, Erica Diaz uh, from the uh, Sacramento uh, campaign for the 2020 Women on Boards um, talking about the initiative to make sure that we have women representation there on those corporate boards as well. I'm so happy to see that there are so many initiatives pushing the agenda for women. I mean, you know, some of it is a little late, but better late than never, but still pushing the agenda out to make sure that we get the pay equity, that we get the diversity as well on boards and in other places. Now, we had a little bit of a conversation off air too that, you know, 
can the same argument in regards to pay equity be made in a governmental setting? Mm -hmm. Because you have this particular, these classifications, and they make this a much pay. So what do you think? Is is that a valid argument when it comes to, well, you know, there's equal pay in state government, for instance, because everyone, if you're in this classification, you make the same thing. What do you say to that? I mean, I think that, yes, that's true to a certain extent. But what we were talking about offline is, what are the promotion policies? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at the state as a whole, how many women or people of color are in senior leadership positions? Um, I would say that I have a, I come from the legislature, um, and as a young black staffer, I found that most black staff worked for black members. Um, that's Those are the ones who are most likely to hire you. Mm-hmm. Um, or the other black staff who work for other members were entry level, so they were your clerical or your schedulers. And I feel like that's the same large in part for the state. How many directors, secretaries, you know, high level managers do you have um, that are people of color in these positions? I don't see it. I mean, I'm fairly new to state service, but in the few management trainings that I've been to, I don't see that diverse representation in the promotion practices and in the senior leadership practices in the state. So that's where I feel like there's there's some work needs to be done. All right, let's take a phone call. 97.5, hello. Hi, yes. Uh, being a person in the state, I would agree to what you're saying as a person newly entering into that space. Not only is it not happening for women of color, particularly African-American women, if we want to kind of go directly into the issue, and even the African-American women who are at the leadership uh, table, decision-making table, they're not moving the needle for their, for their culture. They're not speaking up in these meetings when things are happening. They're not saying, you know what, let's put this person on this project. What they're doing is they're sitting in these positions and they're just going with the status quo. Instead of saying, no, this is not acceptable behavior. We cannot treat, you know, um, this particular person this way. We're just being quiet and collecting our checks. And so what's happening is people are sitting in these positions for years on end. They're not being promoted. They're not given opportunities to promote which results in uh, a situation where you end up having stagnation when it comes to promoting opportunities for African-American people of, uh, in, in state government, both male and female. More importantly, happening in a, in a very large way with regards to African-American women. If you are strong, if you speak up, if you assume a position that makes it be clearly communicated that you are not intimidated, then that, at that point, you're not going to be promotable. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's something that definitely warrants an outside external investigation across state government. Yeah, I, I agree with many of what you were saying. I experienced this myself as a young black woman working in politics. I mean, like or not, our political system is still led large in part by white men. Mm-hmm. Um, while the California legislature has more women in it than it ever has in its history, and that's a positive thing. Um, as a black woman working in politics, as an outspoken, um, like you said, not easily intimidated woman, I found many times in my career where um, I was, you know, often put in my place, so to speak, um, and not given an opportunity to be a leader. Um, That's why I'm really excited to be at the helm of this state agency. Um, I can say for the first time, the commission has a woman of color at its helm. It's never had that since it was established in 1965, um, even though we have diverse commissioners. And um, I'm really happy that they took a chance on me and we're excited about my leadership. And I want to do more for black women in California than the commission has in the past. Um, I want to be more outspoken and support communities of color, um, especially in state service uh, and areas where they are often overlooked. Um, And that's why this pay equity thing is so important to me. Um, Talking about black, black women's equal pay day, one thing I didn't mention, and I hope that your listeners will come. Um, On August 27th, the commission is co-sponsoring an event with the first partner, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, and the Women's Caucus to acknowledge Black Women's Equal Pay Day. And we're doing an event in the evening at Sacramento State um, geared towards our students, our folks entering the workforce. Um, We're excited to confirm that we'll have Elaine Welteroth as a speaker at the event. 
Um, if you don't know, she's a black woman who took over the helm um, as editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue, and she really revolutionized that magazine and increased its readership. Um, and she realized even though she was at the helm, um, she was being severely underpaid. And so she left because they didn't want to compensate her. Um, and she's a Sac State grad. And so she's coming to talk about her experience as a black woman uh, facing pay inequities. Um, and hopefully we can educate our students and our community and have a, a frank and open discussion about black women in the workplace um, and uh, equal pay and hopefully create some, share some resources about closing the pay gap statewide. Yeah. You know, the caller makes an interesting point, too, in that you see this, and I'm sure you probably see this in all communities, but probably especially in in uh, the black community where that one person gets that promotion and now they're the, you know, decision maker. And it sounds like, and caller, um, she's already hung up, but hopefully uh, I'm representing this correctly is, because I've seen this, is once one person gets there, they don't often make room for others. And mm-hmm. sometimes even stifle other people in their same community the growth because there's a lot of mentality of well you know if I you know help you you might take my position Mm -hmm. or I don't want them to think I'm trying to just bring up black people or whatever it is and you see that so much and so I I kind of echo the the caller sentiments having been and you know all the listeners know I've been with uh, been working for the state for a very long time um, but seeing that and it really is disheartening um, to see people get into those leadership positions and then not help not saying give an unfair advantage but if you've got someone a person of color uh, that's qualified to do the job mm-hmm. why not give them an opportunity other communities do it all the time right and so it can be discouraging to see that but that's not even it's not even a commission issue it's a personal thing it's a Mm -hmm. how secure are you in your position and how secure are you in helping your community because it's an insecurity that thinks that somebody's going to come and take your job or you know I'm trying to appease the white people so I'm just gonna I'm not gonna bring anybody else aboard because I don't want them to think they're you know you know what I mean just that whole mentality so I just wanted to echo what the the caller was saying because it is really important and again it's not a it's a it's a personal thing it's like Mm -hmm. how do we break through that wall of there's plenty for all of us yeah the problem is is when we're taught or we believe or because of outside influence influence think that we can't help our community because we don't want it to be seen a particular way or whatever I'm I'm of the belief that there's room at the table for all of us mm -hmm. um I personally like to mentor young women of color who are breaking into politics, who just need someone to talk to, to share ideas, to share some of their grievances with, um, or strategies on how to deal with stressful work environments. Um, And uh, I've, you know, I've taken on this not because um, I feel obligated to, but I feel like if it wasn't for the women who were taking me under their wing, I wouldn't have survived in Sacramento as long as I have. Um, and I want to give back and, you know, coach and mentor the next generation of leaders in our state. Yeah. Um, and I was having this discussion with you offline. The commission is in the process of hiring right now. And I almost wish this radio show was a couple weeks ago because the, the application period is now closed. But I was having a conversation um with uh, my staff as we were going through our interview questions yesterday and taking a look at the applicants, the applicant pool was very small and, you know, it was almost exclusively white. Um, And I'm not saying, you know, I'm just just disappointed that I didn't have an opportunity to at least... um, entertain an applicant from a diverse background yeah um so and i want to jump back on that point too because also you are you mentioned earlier that you were the um the first black woman to head the commission we'll come back after this um hello 97.5 hello i am enjoying this conversation today saturday i joined in late so can you periodically repeat the names on the 
panel that are speaking this morning. Uh, this is Kendra Harris. She is the executive director of the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. And it is a state agency that actually pushes initiatives and other um, things to help advance the agenda of women and girls. If I may, can I read our mission? Absolutely. So the Commission on the Status of Women and Girls works in a culturally inclusive manner to promote equality and justice for all women and girls by advocating on their behalf with the governor, the legislature, and other public policymakers, and by educating the public in the areas of economic equity, including educational equity, access to health care, including reproductive choice, violence against women, and other key issues areas identified by our commissioners as significantly affecting women and girls. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening, and, and we appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. I'm glad people are out there listening and really intrigued about the commission. Um, I want to go back to, because you mentioned you are the first woman down. The commission's been around over 50 years. Yes. You are the first black woman, woman of color, Period. to head the commission. Mm-hmm. There, We still have such a long way to go we in really regards do. to diversity, especially in, like you mentioned earlier, state government. And the listeners know I'm a trainer for the state. I do leadership classes for the Department of Human Resources. Um, And we talked again off air that in my classes, I do supervisor and manager classes. And it really is disheartening to see. It's great to do leadership training, but not see a lot of people of color in those roles. Again, we do first line supervisors, we do managers, and we do executives and not seeing the people of color in those classes and I'm not just talking about black people there are really just there the numbers are not there mm-hmm. and so hearing that you are the first woman of color to uh, head this organization it really shows that the state itself has a long way to go in diversity in regards to management and executives in the state absolutely and I know we were talking offline about how do we recruit and um, retain people of color in in these higher level positions. I mean, I know I know you said the state has some funding and a couple of positions for outreach and recruitment, but I, I mean, I for one, you know, maybe I'll get yelled at later. I would really like to see the state invest more in um, doing real outreach campaigns to, you know, these qualified individuals. I mean, we're in Sacramento. I know a lot of the state jobs are here, but we have two major universities. Mm -hmm. We have a number of community colleges. What are we doing to ensure that we're reaching out to, say, the black student unions or uh, the Latino community or the API community? What are we doing to ensure that we're having qualified applicants not only understand that there are state jobs, but teach them train them like this is a state exam this is what you have to do these are sample questions this is how you take the test this is how you rank you know this is how you apply this is a statement of qualifications this is how you write a strong statement of qualifications those are skills that the average person wouldn't necessarily know yeah and i'd like to see more of that yeah and also to helping people to know that and there's absolutely nothing wrong with coming in entry level, but some people qualify for more than that. Absolutely. And how to analyze those job announcements to know what you really qualify for, because the way the patterns are written can be a little confusing. And someone will say, well, I don't have that when in actuality, it's either this or this mm-hmm. or this. So being able to help people navigate through so that they can come in at a higher rate of pay, yeah. what's something that they're really qualified for versus coming in entry level. Again, I'm not saying nothing about coming in entry level get in how you however you can get in but when you are qualified to do more knowing how to navigate the job application process in order to be able to get into a position where you're really qualified not underutilizing your talent and one thing I can say um, I'm exempt I was actually hired by my commissioners I'm not an appointee um, and so I had to you know, apply. I had to write a strong statement of qualifications, um, answering the prompts that were listed in, in the duty statement. Um, and I had to go through a series of interviews. I was interviewed by our commissioners. Um, um, and I have a lot of work experience in policy and communications. Um, I actually also have history with the commission. I actually advocated on uh, their behalf when I worked for a nonprofit to ensure their budget wasn't cut. So I knew about the commission. I did my homework. Um, but most importantly, um, I think I had commissioners who 
realize the value I would add to the commission. And even though I this is my first executive level job in my career, mm-hmm. they realized that I was up to the task. And so they were willing to take a risk on me. And I appreciate that. Yeah, that's absolutely great. When we come back, uh, well, if, thank you for joining us. First of all, I'm speaking to my guest, Kendra Harris. She is executive director of the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. We have more to talk about because one of the other big initiatives that the commission is really uh, pushing forward is girls in steam. So we want to talk about that when we come back from the break. It is Full Circle and we will be right back. Like and share our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5. And we're back with Miss Wanda, life coach, motivational speaker, and friend of sisters everywhere. This is Full Circle. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, this is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with my guest, Kendra Harris. She is the executive director of the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. We are having this wonderful conversation with Kendra Harris. She is the executive director of the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. One of the things that I mentioned right before we went to break was that another commission priority is girls in STEAM. So let's talk about what the commission is doing in regards to that area. So for those that don't know, STEAMs, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Um, So uh, as expected, young women um, and girls are grossly underrepresented in um, those fields of study um, and employment. Um, And uh, one of our previous commissioners was really passionate about uh, getting young women more engaged in STEAM. Um, In previous years, the commission has done a couple of what we call STEAM town halls across the state, partnering with local counties of Office of Education um, to really create opportunities where young girls uh, could hear from professionals in those areas, uh, find out about their pathways, um, and get resources um, for for their own educational goals. Um, What we've learned that... Many girls in elementary school will drop off of those um, STEAM fields um, because they're discouraged um, or, you know, they'll see a a lot of male counterparts um, excelling in those areas. And some educators are a little biased and don't encourage young girls to explore science or math, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they even might struggle and um, are just encouraged to quit. And so um, we want to capture um, some of those young women and encourage them to um, take on some of these educational pathways and career pathways um, that can be very lucrative for them, especially right now. We're in California, got all the tech in the Bay Area. Um, Right now, um, our STEAM town hall has been put on hold, but we are working with um, the California Education Foundation. They put on what's called uh, a STEAM conference every year um, geared towards uh, educators and administrators. Uh, Last year, we partnered with them and we put together a, a major keynote panel. Uh, for their participants at their at their event in Long Beach, and it had over six thousand, uh, I believe, participants, and we put together a panel around arts and um, science. So one of our commissioners, Katie Buckland, she is the executive director of Writers Guild Foundation. Okay. Thank you. I was just losing it. Um, and uh, so she works with a lot of ex- exciting writers who work in television and film. And so we put together a panel with her leadership of uh, writers who have a science background who now have moved on to the arts. Um, So it was an exciting panel of folks who write for television and film. And we even had uh, a writer who writes for Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. And she's a black woman. And she actually used to be an ER doctor. Um, in by training and you know she transitioned into the arts field um, and now is a full-time writer and provides you know accurate uh, writing and commentary for shows that focus on medicine Um, so she's got a second career now and so it really ties the whole steam arts and sciences together Um, so that uh, was really well received and now they're in the planning phases for their next conference I believe it's December this year um, and my policy director is on their um, 
their planning committee. And so they are reviewing proposals for speakers, um, and we are providing consultation to ensure that it's diverse um, and gender equitable and ensuring that um, the speakers are including ideas that engage, you know, women and girls in, in STEAM. When you said the writers, the science writers that transitioned over to the arts, until you said Grey's Anatomy, I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. But when you think about it, there is a place for people in that field because mm-hmm. we need accuracy, the law and orders and mm-hmm. the Grey's Anatomies and all those different shows. So that's really, you know, I like being able to highlight those things that, you know, when you think of STEAM uh, and you think of the sciences and arts and things like that, it's not just one particular area. It's it's so broad. And it really, we do really need to encourage our young ladies, our girls to be, you know, if they're interested in that, really encourage that path for them because we really do need women in those areas. I wanted to point out on the commission's website, which you can find at women.ca.gov, there is a list of resources for uh, camps and things like that for young ladies. So it's STEAM programs and camps for girls. If you go to their website, you'll see on the banner, Engaging Girls in STEAM. And there's a lot of really good resources and information regarding the STEAM town halls, uh, the future in STEAM careers, the camps, and other things like that. So there's information out there. If you don't know where to turn or where to look, uh, I would suggest starting with the commission's website. It's a really good uh, resource for information. Is the commission role rolling out anything or are you, and I don't want to say just supporting, but are you simply supporting those other efforts that are going forth? So we actually, this summer, we've been taking some time to re-examine our, uh, our STEAM initiative. We have a small budget that we could use towards STEAM. And so uh, we had a couple of college interns and we said, okay, your project this year is to do an examination of STEAM in California and identify some gaps Mm -hmm. and areas where the commission could plug in and support doing outreach to young women and girls to get them engaged in STEAM. So uh, she came up with a number of proposals for staff to consider, and we're going to be bringing that forward to our, we have a subcommittee process through our commissioners. Um, As staff, we take direction from our commissioners. And so ultimately they have to vote on how we utilize staff resources or our budget for some of our initiatives. And so um, it's still in the early processes and I haven't had an opportunity to pitch it to our commissioners. But uh, one proposal she brought forward was really exciting about doing um, a scholarship program Mm -hmm. uh, for young women um, who are interested in STEAM education. And so uh, really focusing on um, communities of color, disadvantaged women who may not have the resources to even apply for college in some of these programs. Because as you know, the applications, there's a fee um, and they might need resources just to pay for that. So doing, you know, one or $2,000 scholarships that they can apply for and not a complicated application mm-hmm. process, but uh, simply expressing their need and maybe doing an essay and why they you know, how they would use the funds and you know creating that opportunity for young women to get education in STEAM. Okay, all right. So STEAM is one of the initiatives. I wanted to just cover a few more of the initiatives mm-hmm. um, that are priorities for the commission. Another one is health and safety of women and girls. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what the commission or why that is a priority for the commission. Sure. Um, so health and safety is of women and girls, is, it's, it's, it's a worldwide movement, um, ensuring, you know, women are safe in their communities and in their homes. Um, domestic violence and sexual assault continues to be a problem globally. Um, gender violence against women. Um, and the commission has always been this uh it's always been a priority for the commission, ensuring that we're supporting policies or program changes to support safe environments for women to excel and thrive in our communities. Um, so the commission in the past has taken positions on domestic violence laws, sexual assault laws. Um, we actually are um, written into a bill that would particularly help young women who need reproductive health um, and on their college campuses. And so we are actually actively supporting that legislation and we've been written in to be uh, a grantee of that organization. So if the legislation is signed by the governor, it's pending right now, but if it's signed, we will be giving grants to universities um, to support young women's access to reproductive health care. 
And that's a big thing right now, especially when our rights, they're trying to take away our rights. Nationwide, absolutely. And once again, California's out front. So we're excited to hopefully have that pass and be a part of that. And then the other thing I wanted to just kind of mention real quick, and I think we talked about it a lot in the first segment where we just talked about pay equity, but gender in the workplace in general, just looking out for not just the pay equity, but ensuring, I would imagine, ensuring diversity Mm -hmm. uh, among um, executives and and just different positions. I would probably, oh, I would imagine, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Are you looking at those positions that are typically more male dominated or how, how are you representing in that space? Um, well, the commission in, in statute, we've been given a mandate, sadly, that was never funded to really examine um, the state and how um, diversity and, and inclusion and how women are reflected in those leadership roles. That's something I'd like to see us move more into. Um, I know there um, have been data, and we discussed this earlier, that you know the data shows that most people are paid the same based on their classification. But once again, are we doing a deep dive to to look at who's in those leadership positions, um, our promotion policies, um, our our leave policies. Um, What are we doing to support uh, gender-inclusive, diverse workforce um, and creating environments where they can thrive and promote um, in bias-free work environments? We're going to take a really quick break. Kendra, will you stay with me for one more segment? Sure. Thank you. (laughs) Because when we come back, I want to find out what your direction is for the mission. Because how long have you been the executive director? I've only been on board for eight months. Okay, so I want to hear what your plans are for the commission. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. Be right back. Like what you hear? Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. Empowering women through conversation. This is what she does. She is Miss Wanda, and this is Full Circle. This is Full Circle. My guest is Kendra Harris. She is the executive director for the Commission for the Status of Women and Girls. We've been having a wonderful conversation today. And before you go, Kendra, I want to find out, because you've been in the position now, you said eight months. Yes. What are your priorities for the commission? Where do you see the commission even a year from now? Yeah, so... Um, the commission is very small state agency as state, as state agencies go. So we we initially have a robust staff of four <laughs> running a government body. It's a little scary. Wow. Uh, so being so small, we have a small budget. We are primarily general fund. Um, and so my number one goal for growing the for the uh, coming on to on board was grow the agency a little bit, um, create some resources for staff. So because a lot of staff is overtaxed, overburdened with the number of responsibilities and it's just not sustainable so my first task was what can we do to support the organization and support the staff so uh, we requested some budget funding this year I requested a lot of money didn't get everything we asked for but I can say my first six months in the job we successfully grew the agency's budget by 52 percent great so now we will be we're in I mentioned we're in the process of hiring so we'll be filling two positions to support our pay equity work and our communications uh, profile uh, statewide and hopefully the next time people won't ask who the commission is because my communications person will be doing a great job getting our information out there and doing outreach to the community. Personally, um, I think the commission should take on uh, a different role. I mean, we were initially funded to be an advisory body and um, we're still having conversations with our commissioners about this and how uh, we can get there one day. But I'd like to uh, see the commission be a granting agency. So um, as a women's organization, as a government entity, we get a lot of um, outreach from women's nonprofits um, in the community across the state. Um, doing really great work supporting women and girls um, from, you know, women reentering the workforce, um, child care organizations, uh, supporting women who are incarcerated. 
uh, formerly homeless women, uh, women who want to run for office. Um, and so they are doing a lot of great things uh, statewide, and they need sponsorship. They need support for some of their you know programs. And so they reach out to us. And sadly, we don't have the budget or the resources to help everyone. Um, well, really anyone. And so um, I think it would be important to improve our statewide outreach um, and impact if I could support, if we could support uh, those great nonprofits that are doing direct service to women and girls, um, especially those organizations that align with the commission's statutory mission and values um, and priorities. And so I'd like to get there someday um, to, you know, create you know, granting opportunities, even if it's just many grants, also to support local women's commissions. Um, so you may not know there are uh, local women's commissions across the state, some at the city and some at the county level. Um, there's just a few, I'd say about 18 at this time. Um, some are larger. So the city and county of San Francisco has a women's commission. They are really embedded in government there and they do uh, a lot of great work uh, and they are funded to do um uh, studies of of the city and county uh, status of women in 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 government, um, and they also do domestic violence and sexual assault grants to the community partners there. Um, and then other women's commissions are independent um, of county government or city government, and so they really have little to no funding, or they have to fundraise for their resources. Mm-hmm. But they also do important outreach and education. In fact, two weeks ago, we, my staff and I drove down to Modesto, and we spoke at the Stanislaus County uh, Commission for Women. They had uh, a great event where they invited legislators from that region to talk about women's issues and getting more women involved in government and politics and on boards and commissions. Um, and we talked about some of the work of our commission um, and engaging community partners um, at the local level. And so I'd like to do more of that and create opportunities to support women's commissions statewide that are really outreach and doing outreach and education and um, supporting equity across the state. I like on your website, too, you have a guide for starting a local commission. We do. Which is very cool. Um, Again, I had no idea that there were local commissions outside of the uh, California Commission, but you can get all of the information on their website. It is women.ca.gov. How can we support the commission? How can we get involved? Yeah, so... A few things. Uh, first, go to our website. Um, we have links to our social media. It's it's not as robust as I'd like, but hopefully that'll change as our communications higher. So we have a Facebook. We have a Twitter. Um, if you'd like to follow me individually on Twitter, I'm trying to get better at that. But my Twitter is capital Kendra. That's C-A-P-T-I-O-L. Kendra, K-E-N-D-R-A. Uh, find me on Twitter. Add me. Um, and... Uh, We have a listserv where you can get information about our commission meetings, uh, some of our public events. Um, All of our commission meetings are open to the public, um, and you're welcome to come, listen. Uh, There's there's also an opportunity for the public to provide comment um, to our commissioners. If you're representing an an, an issue or an advocacy organization and you'd like our commissioners to know about what you're working on, uh, you're welcome to come. Our next public commission meeting will be held in Sacramento. They're usually during the day. They're in the capital. Um, And our next commission, I believe, is September 9th, and it starts at 11. And when we send out the notice, it will be on our website um, on how you can participate in that meeting if you're in the Sacramento region. Um, There there also might be opportunities for you to call in um, because there might be some commissioners from other parts of the state calling in if you're in the L.A. area, for example. So, yeah, come to a commission meeting, learn about our initiative, sign up on our listserv, follow us on social media. Um, And, you know, the commission, you know, our primary focus is to uplift issues pertaining to women and girls in California. So you might be affiliated with an organization or be working on a project that you think our commissioners, many of whom are lawmakers, uh, should know about or prioritize. Or maybe it's legislation. Um, you can write the commission. You can, our contact information is on our website, women.ca.gov. You can write me directly um, or our appropriate staff. And if you'd like something raised at a commission meeting, we can possibly agendize it and bring it to our commission. Um, our commission meetings also 
sometimes we create opportunities for or other organizations to come and talk about their work. I'd like to do more of that. Um, we're in the process of getting a number of new commissioners, so we're just trying to stabilize the commission right now. Mm-hmm. But um, I would like to create an opportunity where um, organizations who are doing work supporting women and girls can come and talk about their initiatives directly to our commissioners. So if you're interested in speaking to our commissioner commissioners or if you're interested in inviting a commissioner or, or myself or other staff people to come speak at your event, um, let us know. Invite us. I get invitations all the time. And, you know, where our time and budget allows, I'm happy to come okay. and represent. You can find everything Kendra just mentioned on their website at women.ca.gov. You mentioned, I know you're a civil service hire. Are the commissioners appointed by the governor or how right. does that work? So most of our commissioners are either appointed by the governor or the legislature. We have six legislators on our commission. They serve at the pleasure of their house. Um, but the public members, um, the governor has a number of appointees. The superintendent of public instruction has an appointee. The speaker has a public appointee and the um, Senate rules has a public member appointee. And then the other appointees, um, there's a couple of statutory appointees. So like the labor commissioner has a seat on our commission, for example. Um, We just got three new appointments like last week. (laughs) So we're in the process of welcoming welcoming our new commissioners and getting them um, up to speed. Um, But I know for a fact that... um, the Speaker of the House will, or the Assembly, uh, will has a vacancy. And so if you're a dynamic leader in your community, um, anywhere in California, and if you, you know, think you'd be a good applicant for our commission to be a commissioner, reach out to the Speaker. I know wow. they have an application process um, on the Assembly website. That's assembly.ca.gov. And if you go to the Speaker, uh, Speaker Anthony Rendon, um, there might be some information on how to apply for an appointment through his office. So an under a uh, wonderful opportunity to serve the community at large, the greater uh, California community of women by checking out that opportunity. Again, get involved by uh, attending their um, commission, their meetings, mm-hmm. uh, their open meetings. Meetings are open to the public. And again, you can get all their information. And I would recommend go ahead and getting on their listserv, so their, emailing list, their email listing, so that you can find out all about how the commission is what they're doing and when they send things out you can be one of the first to know so make sure you go to their website it is women.ca.gov I want to just loop all the way back around to our conversation at the top of the show when you mentioned the equal pay day for black women because I really want to make sure that sisters go to this event I'm going to be there for sure Um, and I hope that other people support so tell us again about the event that's coming up Sure. So the commission launched our Equal Pay CA campaign earlier this year. Uh, it's a joint project with the first partner, Jennifer Siebel Newsom. Um, and we're acknowledging the Equal Pay Days throughout the years with the different um, ethnic groups. And so coming up is Black Women's Equal Pay Day. Um, this year, Black Women's Equal Pay Day is actually August 22nd. Um, but we're actually hosting an event at Sac State on August 27th in the evening. Um, an invitation will go out. So if you're interested, reach out to the commission, get on our listserv. Um, an invitation is still being finalized, but we're excited to have the first partner as a speaker. Uh, we've invited someone from the Women's Caucus to speak. And uh, Elaine Welteroth will be a keynote at that event. Um, she is a black woman, a grad of Sac State, and she's the former editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. Um, if you don't know, Teen Vogue was doing some revolutionary things under her leadership, and she uh, dramatically increased the readership um, and made it much more diverse of a magazine and she realized as editor-in-chief that she was being uh, severely underpaid and so they didn't want to compensate her as a young black woman so she left that position and I know she wrote a book recently um, and so she will be a keynote speaker at our Black Women's Equal Pay Day. It is geared towards our college students um, and we'll the commission is going to be providing some resources from our pay equity website that we're printing that we can share with audience members um, about how to advocate uh, for equal pay in the workplace, what to do when you're looking for work, um, and how to you know file a complaint if need be if you're being you know treated unfairly in the workplace. And so we're going to be printing uh, some flyers that we're going to be sharing with our students who are going to be entering the workforce, but um, all of our attendees as well. 
All right. So again, that is uh, August 27th, which is, I believe, is a Tuesday. August 27th at Sac State. You can get more information um, going to the commission's website. It's women.ca.gov. Also, make sure you join them or follow them on social media. I'm looking at their Facebook page now. It's California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. They also have a Twitter page. So make sure that you reach out, you follow, um, and support the organization because they are doing great things for women in the state of California. They're small but mighty, and they're making an impact in California in regards to uh, movement and initiatives for women. So make sure you support. Again, go to their website. It's women.ca.gov, and uh, you can follow uh, Kendra on Twitter at Capital Kendra, which I love that handle. <laughs> Capital Kendra. It's C-A-P-I-T-O-L. Correct. Kendra um, on Twitter. And reach out to her. You know, let her know that you listen to her on the show or that you're supporting. Um, again, it is the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. That's how we do it here on Full Circle. It is giving you the information that you need to make an informed decision for your life. It is empowerment through conversation. Thank you, Kendra, for being on the show today. I really appreciate you coming down. Thank you. It was a complete pleasure. Make sure you're following the show on social media. It's Full Circle 97.5 on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any show topics, ideas, make sure you email me at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. And one more thing, don't forget, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting platform. That would be SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Spotify. Look for Miss Wanda's Full Circle Radio and subscribe to the show. Really appreciate that. And make sure you're sharing that with friends and family. You know, we have very in-depth conversations. And and so if there's a show that touches you, you know, make sure you share it out. Make sure you comment and let me know how you are enjoying the episodes. That's how we do it. And it's all because of you that it is being done. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. So I appreciate you very much. This is Full Circle. I am Miss Wanda. I will see you next week when we have Sean L. Brown in the studio. Full Circle meets Lessons from the Journey Live. Thank you so much for listening, family. And uh, we'll see you next week. Be good to one another. Show love and kindness to everyone that you meet. This is Full Circle. Peace. This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5.